Good morning, Midland Free. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Is it too early to say that? Um, no? Okay, good. So it's here. Yeah. Never too early. Wonderful. Oh, I've got a Christmas sermon for you today, but it's not from Luke chapter 2. Um, it's actually a really good Christmas sermon. It's based on the cross, and that is the reason for Christmas. So welcome here. We're delighted to be worshiping with you. My name is Pastor Jeremy, and today is a special day because we are actually concluding the book of Galatians. Our church has been going through this book this fall, and it's an absolutely beautiful picture of the transforming power of the work of God in what we Christians call the gospel or the good news at work in our lives. So today I want to walk you through that. And really, and I'm going to give you my hint now, and you'll see some slides later. You can download the slides, or you can write this down. But basically, if you come away from this message, I want you to get two things from it. And those two things are this. Number one, that the gospel is holistic. The gospel is holistic. That's going to be my summary of the entire book of Galatians. And I'll explain that in the first half of the sermon. But number one, the gospel is holistic. This big huge, gargantuan piece we call the gospel is not just a single solitary moment in time, but instead it is not only for you and for me and our lives, but for all of eternity as well. Number one, the gospel is holistic. And number two, our assurance, the cross is our assurance. Number two, the cross is our assurance. And I'll flesh that out here in a little bit. So the gospel is holistic and the cross is is our assurance. 1820 to 1915, there was a blind lady by the name of Fanny Crosby. She wrote over 8,000 gospel hymns in her day. And on her gravestone in Bridgeport, Connecticut, are written these words. She hath done what she could. She hath done what she could. That's actually a quote. Uh, You probably won't get it from just those words, but does anyone have any idea where those might be from? Here's an answer. You're at church. It's Sunday morning. Where? Bible. Yes, good. And, And a very important person in the Bible, whom we worship, especially this time of year, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is, that's right. Hey, somebody got it. I think I heard that. Uh, It was when uh, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, anointed Jesus with uh, costly perfume. Very good. What happened was, is uh, Jesus' response is, hey, you know what? She did what she could. And Fanny Crosby wanted this to be said of her as well. Of course, Only eternity will show the impact of her songs. There are so many of them that we sing today, including this one, which I think is uh, very appropriate for today's message. And it is entitled, Blessed Assurance. That hymn has these words, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit and washed in his blood. Then it goes to the chorus and then the, uh, another refrain and the final refrain is this. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior, happy and blessed. 
watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness and filled with his love. This is my story and this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story and this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. It's a beautiful text because it reminds us of this in the ebbs and flows of life. When the seasons change, our bodies change, our circumstances change, our families change, our feelings change, our bodies change, and everything goes up and down and up and down. One day we feel one way and another day we feel the next. One day I'm in pain, the next day I'm a little better, this and that, this and that. There's so much variety, there's so much change. Where do I find consistency? Where do I find assurance? Where do I find confidence? Where do I find love? It is in this and in this alone. Our assurance is not based, listen carefully to this, this quote's not in the slides, but I think this is beautiful. Our assurance is not based on our inner feelings, those change, or our outer signs. You know, one day you may see a miracle, you may not see one your entire life. Who knows? It's not based on the signs. Rather, your assurance is founded upon the promises of a faithful God and His inspired Word. Your assurance depends not on the amount of your faith, but on the object of your faith. It is not based upon how much faith you have. A mustard seed is enough. But it is upon the person with whom it rests. It is in Christ, in Christ alone. Therefore, Hebrews says it like this in chapter 10. It says, let us then draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Why? Because we're good? Because we saw the light? Because we saw a sign? No. For he who promised is faithful. There is the assurance of your life, your faith, your hope, and your salvation. It is, as Hebrews says, the unchangeable character of his purpose. For it is impossible For God to lie. We therefore have this encouragement as a steadfast anchor of the soul. The assurance of the cross of Christ. Today as we conclude and summarize the book of Galatians. I want to give you an entirely different view of the cross. In one day, in one sermon. To radically transform how you have viewed this symbol this moment, this spot in time. Because as I thought about it this week, I thought, you know, as Christians, we probably have a very specific way of thinking about the cross. Assuming you're a Christian, you're not, hang with me, you will be by the end of the day. But as a Christian, you probably have some view of the cross. And my my feeling is that in the past, you've probably viewed it as... Um, something that you look upon as a burden with a view towards guilt and shame that this is the event that your sin caused. That you created this and you placed this burden on Christ because of your sin. 
But today what I want to say is this, is the cross is not the weight. Here's, here's the theme, if you will. The cross is not the weight that holds us back. But instead, it is the springboard that propels us forward. The cross is not the weight that holds us back. But instead, it is the springboard that propels us forward. So here's how the sermon is going to look today in order to accomplish that. Uh, the title you see in your bulletin, it's Conclusion and Bragging Rights. We're going to break it down in two big parts. The first part of the sermon is the conclusion to the book of Galatians. It's just the summary and the wrap-up of the whole message of the book, which is basically the gospel or the holistic good news of God. It is also not only that, but we're going to come to the final section of this letter, and I, ent- I called it bragging rights. That's probably a strange thing for us, but we'll walk through it. And the idea is this, is that not only is the gospel this holistic, eternal message, but it's also the place where we get our confidence, our assurance, our hope, our motivation. Everything springs from this good news of Jesus Christ. So in other words, what I'm trying to do is just wrap up the sermon series, and also that's what Paul's trying to do in this last paragraph. As with any letter or any book, that you know, you start with your theme, and then you develop that a little bit, and then you come to the end, and you conclude it, and you wrap it all up, and you sort of recap it and remind the readers that way when they go away, the one thing stuck in your mind is the most important thing. That if you miss all the funny stories and all the illustrations and all the life applications in between, at the end of the day, you remember the main point. And the main point of this is the gospel. The main point is, symbolically speaking, the cross of Christ. And that is why in the end of this letter, the, Paul, the Apostle Paul is going to focus in then on the cross. Because he's been dealing with the Judaizers and their issues and circumcision and the law and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to one thing, the cross or the gospel of Christ. So here's what's happening, just just to refresh your memory then. Uh, The apostle has come into this situation where there are some Jewish people who have come to his newly planted churches. And they are saying to the new converts there, by the way, this thing that Paul said to you about the cross, it's really good, but it's not enough. If you want to be a super Christian, if you really want to follow the way of God, if you want to get in touch with Yahweh, then you need to, in addition to the cross, add to that our Jewish traditions, our legalistic rites, our rituals, particularly the sign of circumcision. You need to have this mark on your body to show that you are of the people of God. And the apostle comes into that situation and he says, No! Stop. That is so heretical. That's the worst possible thing you could say. When you say that, you are actually insulting the blood of Jesus. You are saying what he did on the cross is not good enough. That his blood isn't sufficient. And in addition to that, you need something else. And that is inflammatory. That is rude. That is insulting. That is heretical. That is completely anti-gospel. The message of the gospel is simply this, that salvation or the righteousness of God is given to us as sinful individuals by grace alone, through faith alone, according to scripture alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. That's it. 
The five solos of the historic Christian faith boil down to this. It's all about Jesus, and it comes through his word, and it ends up bringing glory to God. And the only way we get it is by grace through faith. That's it. So we, we apply that very strongly as evangelicals, and we'll say things like, you know, hey, when you come to Jesus, it's just by believing in Jesus. Just believe in Jesus and you're saved. Believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus. And I think what happens then sometimes is we emphasize that so much that we forget that that thing, that salvation, that righteousness of God sort of stops, that, that salvation piece stops there and it doesn't move forward. But the reality is, is that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, carries through not only from the moment we're saved, but for the entire rest of our lives. So it's not just a single point in time, this is this transaction that occurred, but instead it is the gargantuan process that encompasses and fills your entire life. This is how you live the Christian life. It's not like you made this purchase and you're like, okay, I'm done, done with the gospel. No, the gospel is daily repentance, daily belief, daily trust by grace alone, through faith alone, in the work of Christ alone. That's the gospel. And that's the growth that the Christian is after in their life. It's not like, okay, God helped me at this one moment. Now I'm done and the rest of it's on me. No, it's all on God, the whole thing. You just submit to him and follow his will, and he empowers you to do it. You can't do it on your own. What you're doing is not enough. It is only by grace through faith that this thing will be made complete. And so that is what we see, that message being worked out through the book of Galatians. So the first thing in chapter 2, verse 16, is he goes after that punctiliar moment, that spot, that point in time where you initially convert or you change and he says this this is how a person is justified that is the first time they are declared righteous they are forgiven we know that a person is just not justified by works of the law in other words nothing you do is good enough but through faith in jesus christ so we also have believed in jesus christ jesus in order that we might be justified by Faith in Christ and not by works. So that's that justification moment. That's what we think of in modern evangelical America when people come forward and they say, I repent, I want to be forgiven, I believe in Jesus. Boom, justified. But it doesn't stop there. It really doesn't. Sometimes we think, okay, we did it, we're done. Now we go on with life and try to do this on our own. But that's not true. The same thing that just happened there continues, and it goes like this. It moves from justification into sanctification. And so I want to show Galatians chapter 2, verse 6. We'll skip a slide here. And it says this, So then, just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, just as you received him by grace through faith, so too now continue to live in him or continue to walk in him. How? By grace through faith, just like you received him. In other words, going back a slide, the righteousness of God includes not only our justification, but our sanctification as well. Why? Well, Galatians 3.11 tells us the just shall live by faith. 
So it's not only your initial moment of salvation, but it's the whole thing. All of life is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. In other words, I myself, I can't do it. I am not good enough. Even if I'm a pastor or a saint or Mother Teresa or whatever, I have to have the power and Spirit of God living in my life. That's the only way. I can't produce my spiritual growth any more than I can produce my spiritual rebirth. I can't procure my sanctification any more than I can procure my own justification. In other words, I can't force it. If, if I come to the Holy Spirit and say, now you saved me, cool, thanks, watch this, I'm going to live the rest of my life and I can do it without you as long as I make all these rules and regulations, I'm pretty sure that I can, uh, I can hem myself in and make sure that sin doesn't enter and I can discipline myself if I just try hard enough, I'll get up in the morning and I'll do it. No, I will fail. That's the life of a Judaizer. And that's the life of a legalist. They say, okay, you know, we got saved. Now it's all about gritting my teeth and doing it. No. It's all about by grace through faith in Christ. That is the only way this whole thing will work. That is why then you see the message of Galatians work very specifically. It starts with the gospel. GPS, right? It starts with the gospel. Here's the good news. Here's how you get saved. And then it gives you the promise. Here's your assurance. What Christ did, he's going to continue to do, and he will complete. And so you keep going in partnership with him, submitting to his spirit. How? By the spirit. So it goes gospel, promise, spirit, and it moves you through this process to show you that the whole thing, the whole package, is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You believe the gospel you receive the promised inheritance, and then you live by power of the Spirit. Gospel, promise, Spirit. This is the message of the book of Galatians. Now, cool, right? <laughs> Neat. That's cool. God is helping me. God is growing me. God is saving me. God is transforming me. And if I submit myself and allow myself to be fulfilled, filled by the Spirit, He will do the work and change me. And I can depend on him. That's an encouragement. But it's not just me. It's all of you as well. And it's not just all of us, but it's the entire world. The gospel is so cosmic and grand in scope that it applies not only to the individual, not only to the community, not only to the co- but to the entire cosmos. Look, here's what happened. This is a beautiful quote. I want you to see it. On the day that Christ died... Something happened, not only for us, but for the entire cosmos. The created realm, creation itself, cracked. When Jesus died, the earth quaked, the sun refused to shine, cemeteries were disturbed. In all of these events, God is showing you that he is giving notice to Satan and his pomp or his servants that their lease on planet earth was about to run out. Christus victor. Jesus won. Not only the battle in my life, in your life, but the battle of the entire world as well. The gospel is good news. Do you see that? It's not just for me, it's not just for you, it's for everybody and everything, everywhere and all time. That God is taking this mess that we made and 
fixing it. That's the reason for Christmas. That's a big deal. That is why we call it the gospel. That is why we call it good news. The word gospel just means good news. We churchy people say it and we don't even know what it means half the time. But it's good news. Here is the message as best as I can summarize it. That God, the sovereign God, in his grace, see this slide up on the screen, for no other reason than his own good pleasure, decided to redeem his fallen creation and make righteousness available to all who would believe. That's the gospel. The gospel is for you and for me. It is justification, sanctification, glorification. But the gospel is for the entire world. It is creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. That's the big picture as well. From beginning to end, my life and yours, the cosmos, all things, is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. Amen? That's the gospel. That's good news. Man, if you haven't believed that before, you've got to get into it. This will change your life. It is not complicated, but and yet it is incredibly profound. Jesus died for your sins and rose from the grave, and not just for yours, but for mine and for the entire world. That's something we Christians are excited about, and that's what we can brag about. Thus, as Paul concludes this letter, he's going to say to the people in Galatians, Hey guys, See with what bold letters I write this? Look it, I'm writing with my own hand. This is like when you send that silly text message and it has 800 exclamation points after it, you know? Tons of emoticons, italics, bold, underlined. Let me make it clear to you. Hello, this is the gospel. Here's where we get our faith. This is where we get excited. This is why we boast. Look, guys, verse 11, chapter 6. See with what large letters I am writing to you in my own hand. Oh, I hope you notice this. Look, there's two ways we could go about it. One is like this. We could try to boast on our own. It is those who want to make good showing in the flesh, the Judaizers, who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast, this is how they like to brag, in their own works, in their own flesh, in their own self. None of that five sola stuff. They just want to brag about what they did. But we take quite a bit different approach. Verse 14, far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, nor race, nor class, nor intelligence, nor looks, nor body, nor anything else counts for anything but for the fact that you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And for all of us who walk by this rule, then we have peace and mercy upon us. We are the new Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. 
What do you want to brag about today? I actually had a guy ask me this question this week or two weeks ago. And actually, I'm, I'm dead serious. He asked me this question. And, and just the other day, I asked him if I could use it as an illustration. I walked into the gym on Monday morning. There's a guy I never met before in my entire life. I've seen him around, but we've never talked. All of a sudden, you know, he's, he's significantly older than I, and I guess it's just a good old boy thing in the locker room or whatever. I don't know. And guy, old guy walks up to me and says, Hey, what do you want to brag about today? And I'm like, there are a lot of thoughts going on in my mind right now. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and even if I did, I don't think I would want to brag. Because the moment I did, I'd probably step in it, you know. Well, I, I washed my car. I bet there's a big bird poop right on the lid if I go out, right? I mean, you don't, anyone with common sense, I think, I hope, knows that you don't brag. Because as soon as you do, you're about to get in trouble for what you just talked about. So I'm thinking about all this. I'm such a literal interpreter, you know. I'm thinking about all the, you know, analyzing this question. But in the meantime, I'm realizing, hey, the ping pong ball has just been volleyed over to me, right? And I need to return the, you know, the casual conversation thing here without stepping in it and replying to his answer in an appropriate way. He's probably not looking for a long theological exposition of what it means to be in Christ, so I'm like, all right, what do I have to brag about? And I'm like, well, I, had a, I feel good about the way the weekend went. I feel blessed. I feel thankful. You know, we had some family time and it went well because you never know. Family time doesn't always go well. You know, everything came together. There were no accidents. There were no upset times. We went on a bike ride. It was beautiful weather. There was no cold rain, snow. Everything worked out. I feel really blessed that God provided us this weekend. That was enjoyable for me. He's like, okay, blah, 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 you know. And I thought about that, and then this following week I came, which, you know, it's not a bad answer, but it's not great. And I, I came to this text this week, and I thought, man, if I had read this beforehand, boy, would I have had a different answer. I mean, if he's like, what do you want to brag about? I'd be like, dude, <laughs> let me tell you, boy, have I got something. <laughs> I mean, I got this guy. He wins like every single stinking time. Never lost. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not talking about Michigan State. That's for sure. I'm talking about Jesus, man, and he is like killing it, literally. Well, actually, he gave his life. He didn't kill it. But anyways, it was awesome, let me tell you. I mean, who knows what I could have done with that, right? But here is this text at the end of the book, and it's a really strange thing for us because we want to be careful not to brag because we know we'll step in it if we do. But at the end of the day, whatever word you want to use, your confidence, your bragging, your excitement, the thing that motivates you, that gets you going, it is the cross of Christ. Man, you've got something to talk about here. This is a big deal, and this is what we get excited about. Now, in my life, here's, here's another funny thing about me. I just told you that. I got all kinds of weird stories, and they're mostly about me. But I'm weird, so here they are. I always used to get confused before I was married, and I still am, but at least I have somebody to straighten me out. Well, my, I, the thing I always got confused about was this, Good Friday and Black Friday. Like, I'm always calling them the wrong things. 
So like this weekend, I'm like, hey, it's Good Friday. Are you going out to get any good deals? You know, Good Friday, good deals, right? That's the way it works. It's good, right? But Black Friday, shouldn't that be like the cross? Shouldn't that be like the day before Easter? Because that's when Jesus was killed. And every church service I've been to on Black or Good Friday, whichever it is, is like, you know, it's Black Friday, right? We have these dark dark services, it's quiet and all this, because it's Black Friday, or it's Good Friday, one or the other, I don't know. And I'm trying to figure out in my mind what's going on here, and my wife's like, look, 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 let me explain it to you. You said you're a business major, but come on, let me explain this. Black Friday, you know, there's the red and the black, and so on this day of the year, the stores go into the black, and they're feeling good, because it's Black Friday, Oh, so they start to make profits at this time of year. Yes, that's right. That's why they call it Black Friday, because they go into the black. Ah, I get it. But I still mess it up all the time. But here's the deal. I think we as Christians, we think about Good Friday as Black Friday. And I don't mean anything, I promise I don't mean anything racial about that at all. All I mean is this, is we think like, oh man, this was a bad day. This is when Jesus died And everything I did that's horrible was poured out on him because he had to bear the full wrath of God. And we just got this big, mean, angry God, and he couldn't wait to smash us. And finally, he got his chance, and bam, look at that. Ooh, I feel horrible. Well, you better live for Jesus, because look at all he went through for you. He was whipped, he was spit upon, he was embarrassed, he was betrayed, he left heaven. Don't you feel guilty about that? You are so guilty. You should live in fear and feel that obligation and debt and carry that burden the rest of your life like this and just be like, oh, I'm such a sinner, I'm horrible, this is what I should do. Live for Jesus because I did that. That's the way we do it, isn't it? But what we do then is we totally miss the fact that not only was Jesus the sacrificial lamb at that time, but he was also the high priest. And yes, it is true that God's wrath was poured out on Christ on the cross. We call that penal substitutionary atonement. Bam! God puts the smack down on him for our sake. That's true. But we only see that one side of the cross. We miss it. If that's all we ever look at, we miss the point. Because the cross is not only the place in which Jesus bears our sins, that's the sacrificial lamb, but look at the day of the atonement in the Old Testament. There's more than one actor involved. It's not just a stupid lamb. And I'm not talking about Jesus there. The lamb doesn't walk into the Holy of Holies on its own. Somebody grabs it by the throat and takes it in and cuts its neck and sprinkles the blood. Did you hear Hebrews say you have been sprinkled? Who sprinkled you? The high priest who took the lamb into the Holy of Holies, cut its neck, grabbed the blood and threw it all over us. That's what happened at the cross. It's not just the lamb, there's a high priest. And that high priest actually turns out to be the lamb. It's the same one. 
And so not only is there something happening on earth, but there is also something happening in heaven at the exact same time. There are two things going on at the cross. One, the lamb is being slain. Two, the priest is offering the sacrifice across the mercy seat. And there you have the atonement and the forgiveness of God. Black Friday is Good Friday. Good Friday is Black Friday. However you want to say it. At this point, Christ has made the sinner clean. In earth and in heaven. Look at Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24. This is where it spells it out. This is how it elaborates the nature of the sacrifice. For Christ has entered into heaven. That's the cross. At the moment he was on the cross, because he is omnipresent, he was also in heaven. Same time. He was on the cross and in heaven. Hebrews chapter 9. Christ has entered into heaven as your high priest, now appearing in the presence of God on your behalf. As it is, he appeared once for all to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He's both. He's on earth shedding his blood. And he's in heaven in the throne room of God offering that blood. At the same time his blood is being spilled, he's walking before God and saying, Do you accept this sacrifice? Here is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Will you accept the shed blood of Jesus Christ? On earth and in heaven at the same time. The Lamb of God is simultaneously the Lamb and the intercessor. For Christ, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24 says, has entered into heaven itself. He entered by means of his own blood. Thus, on the cross, his last words are, it's finished. And he's saying that as a high priest. I'm done. I've done my work. It's over. In the original language, that's only one word, and perhaps in my mind, it's probably the most important word in the entire Bible. Tetelestai, it is finished. In the perfect tense, meaning that it was something completed in the past and has ongoing effects forever into the future. It is finished. It is finished. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. When Jesus does something, he gets the job done. He does it right. Every time. It's not like me when I do a project, right? When I do a project, I look back on it and go, man, those curtains are uneven. (laughs) Sorry, honey. (laughs) You know, that's just me. It's a little off. No way. His job is perfect every single time. You want something to brag about? I'll show you something to brag about. 
Look at the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is absolutely flawless. You can't find a thing wrong with it. He gets it right every time and it lasts forever. That's pretty good. It's done. It's finished. Yeah, but what about my sin? I mean, come on, Pastor. I got saved, but now I I still sin. I still struggle. I don't ever get it right. I'm not happy with a single day of my life. There's always more I could do. My sin is so weighty. My sin is so strong. My pain is so great. My loneliness is more than I can bear. How can I do this? You can't. It is only by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And when you come to the point and you start saying, Hey, what about my sin? It's so horrible. It's so awful. You know what Hebrews says? How much more? How very, very, very much more? The blood of Christ. Do you think your sin is more powerful than Jesus' blood? Do you think that you can actually out-sin His forgiveness? Do you think that you can do something that is more costly than the value of Christ's blood? His blood is more valuable than all of our sins combined. And when He sheds it, He pays the price and He finishes the work and it's completed, done. That bill is paid. It's over, forgotten, finished, stamped, done. How much more? The blood of Christ. If we go around hanging our heads in shame... Galatians tells us we nullify the grace of God. Chapter 2, verse 21 says this, If that's the case, then Christ died for no purpose. But if you really believe, if you believe in the blood of Jesus, man, then Good Friday really was a good day. Not only did God bear the weight of our sins, but he also walked into the throne room and sprinkled us clean. And as a result, when we look back at the cross, we do not want to see something that we carry on our shoulders and go, oh, this is so heavy. This is so weighty. I can't do it. We don't want to look at the cross as the weight that holds us down, but instead the springboard that propels us forth. We look back at that cross and we say, man, how much more? Oh, how much more? There's something to brag about. I sinned and I sinned pretty good. Let me tell you about it. Blah, 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 blah. Paul does the same thing in his letters. Boy, you think you're a sinner. I was the worst. Look at all these things. But Jesus takes that and he smashes it so overwhelmingly that he sends me flying into the stratosphere because of the cross of Christ. So if I'm going to brag or I'm going to talk about anything, it's certainly not going to be what I've done because you know what that is. But instead, it's going to be what Christ did. When I do that, boy, am I headed in the right direction. Through His death, I died. Through His resurrection, I live. Through His ascension, I am assured. So then, Hebrews 9.28 says, Having been offered once to bear the sins of many, look at this. He will appear a second time. 
not to deal with sin, but to save those, that's you and me, who are eagerly awaiting for him. Far be it for us to boast in anything except for the cross of Christ. Let me then conclude the same way the Apostle does in chapter 6, verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and your spirit. Brothers, amen. Father, we are moved by your gospel. The eternal word which is true and unchangeable, infallible, no lie. We find it in your Bible. We Understand it by your spirit and we believe it by faith. Your grace has made this available to us. Help us to live by it, God. Not by gritting our teeth, living in guilt, but instead letting Christ bear all the weight of the cross on him and being propelled by the power of his spirit forward in faith to do your good work and share your good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.